0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One-one pitch. Fastball pulled
1: and toward the corner. Get up, Bob,
0: Get up, Get out of here. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Because so
2: two hours were not enough to finish our outfield preview We've got another show for you today where we will finish it up with some late-round sleepers. Also, a lot of news from around baseball. What's going on in the Dodgers rotation? Is Julio Arias really going to be in the opening day rotation? And what's going on in the Astros rotation? A couple of injuries to update you on there. We will also recap our head-to-head 12-team head-to-head points league mock draft and read your emails at at CBSI.com. I'm Adam Azer. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. Welcome to Scott White. Hey, Scott White. Hi, Adam. How are you doing today? Thank you for asking. You're the only one who ever does. I'm doing very well. Chris Towers. Hello. Hi. Hey. How
3: are you doing today?
2: Hey, Adam? I'm doing yeah, now. I'm even better. And here is Heath Cummings fresh off a wonderful night at American Airlines Arena where he saw the Dwayne Wade buzzer beater.
3: Did you guys stay to the end? Of course we stayed to the end. Oh, that was the dumbest ending for a game I've ever seen. It was incredible. Well, you've got to
0: remember, I was there with a kid. The only reason we were there is because he's a Warriors fan and because yeah. he's had a terrible last two weeks. Um, He wasn't even upset. That was, that was amazing. How could it you was be upset? upset? I, I told him, I said, you're going to get to see Steph Curry and Kevin Durant again. You're going to see them win many more championships, probably. You'll never see that from Dwayne Wade I mean,
3: it's his last chance to see Dwayne Wade, one of the three or four best players at his position ever. That's awesome.
2: All right. All right. Enough basketball. Uh, I just wanted to point out that after Dwayne Wade made that game-winning, buzzer-beating three-pointer, they played in the arena... And it's time to introduce that to fantasy baseball today. I'm not sure if we did. It's a fantasy football today staple, but that is The Heat Is On. It, on this show, it is The Heath Is On. So whenever Heath says something really good, really smart, really funny, whatever, which is all the time, we will play. Not whenever, but occasionally. Do we not, oh, well, oh, do oh, we not get oh, dropped? Oh. No. Think no drop of no. a Scott, for, for Scott and, and, and Chris. Chris? Think, think of what, and I will do it. For, I will make it for you. My, my name's a little tricky. Oh, I know.
0: I will get Doc Brown going, great Scott. Scott. Yes. Oh, that's exactly. good. Yeah, that's good. All right. Yeah, we don't great. need anything for Chris.
3: And we've all got drops now. Everybody <laughs> has a personalized
2: drop. Okay. So we're all good. Let's talk about, you know what, Chris, I'm going to let you lead off here. Oh. Who are some of your favorite late round outfielders? We got through about 50 outfielders at ADP, right up to the Byron Buxton, Ryan Braun, Kyle Schwarber uh, group. But who are you going to be targeting late in, <laughs> uh, in drafts? Before, so we're talking about goes,
0: Can we can we verify like what is late round? Are we going after ADP two hundred? That's where I'm after at. ADP
2: two hundred, and I'm I'm looking at ADP 50-51, not rankings fifty fifty one. Um. Yeah. So yes, 200, uh, two hundred. Uh, Ryan Braun is two hundred fourth off the board. He's the fifty first outfielder drafted. So including that range and beyond that range, who are you uh, looking at?
3: Oh, there's so many outfielders that I like in this range. I'll start off with. Gregory Polanco, who we've gotten some very good news about uh, so far in spring training, looks like he's already been cleared to hit. He could be playing in games before the end of spring training. And, you know, this was a guy that at least initially back in January, there were reports that he could be out until July. Um, but yesterday, the the head of the Pirates uh, sports medicine group, I guess, said that there's a chance. He could play in games during spring training. And if that's the case, I mean, if he plays in a game before the end of spring training, maybe he's not ready opening day, but maybe it's like a Michael Conforto timeline where he's ready the first week or two of the season. Um, I'm still a little wary of him coming off the shoulder injury, same as we saw with Michael Conforto, but he looked like he was making a leap last year Um, and he's a great value at 56 if if he's going to be ready in April.
2: Okay, that's Gregory Polanco. I know you wanted to talk about Jackie Bradley.
3: Yeah, Jackie Bradley. We, I don't, we didn't mention it yesterday, right? But Just he's working briefly. with J.D. Martinez, a swing coach. or He worked with him in the offseason. This is the guy who also reworked Justin Turner's swing, uh, turned both of those guys into two of the best hitters in baseball. And I, I actually think it was a different
4: one from Turner. It was J.D. Martinez's hit code. Hit I on. think that was the same guy, though. I think Justin uh-huh. Turner worked with him. I I tried to confirm that last night because I was writing about the Jackie Bradley thing. I think it was a different guy, but I'll, I'll check. Either All way, right. it's the same principle. It's
3: And look, I don't think this guy's magical. <laughs> um, but obviously the principles work when guys have a baseline level of talent. And Jackie Bradley obviously has that. It's really not a question of talent. It's always been consistency. Um, and, you know, it's not about just hitting the ball in the air. It's about creating a different swing path so that you're on the level of the same plane as the ball so you have you stay in the hit zone longer. And if that creates more consistency for Jackie Bradley, I mean, we've already seen him have a 27-homer season, um, stole 17 bases last year. If he puts those two things together and he can hit, I don't think 275, 280 is out of the question, you're looking at a really solid fantasy player, especially in Roto Leagues.
2: All right, Heath, how about you? Who are some late-round outfielders you'd like to target?
0: Oh, I, I was afraid Chris was going to take all of mine. So obviously, Jake Bowers, um, we've talked plenty about him. I agree with Chris completely about Gregory Polanco. We mentioned Domingo Santana briefly. His ADP starting to creep up a little bit, but still in the 260s. That's way too low for him. Getting deeper, Steven Souza is at three twenty two. I believe he's healthy. He is going to be the cleanup hitter for the Arizona Dimebacks. Um, very, very deep, you can go with Adam Azer specialist Greg Allen. Hey, hey now. Oh, you stole my guy. And then even cheaper Greg Allen, a guy that we were excited about to start last year, Delano DeShields. Sounds like there's a very good chance he's going to be back where we thought he was going to be at the start of last year.
2: Yeah, just hope he can hit. <laughs> uh, probably not, but yeah, those are good steel sources. Late Greg Allen, Delano DeShields. So, we've got Gregory Polanco, Jackie Bradley. I'm sure there were more that Chris wanted to name. Um, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Just name a few without really expanding too too much.
3: Max Kepler looks like he's going to hit leadoff. He improved against lefties last year. He just needs to get back to where he was against righties. Um, let's not give up on Ian Happ entirely. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I won't steal Scott's, but there's Fran Mil Reyes. Scott can talk about him. Just
4: stole Scott. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he
3: can talk about him. And, I will. I, I don't want to... I don't want to overlook Daniel Palka, who only hit 240 last season, hit 27 home runs. The batted ball data for him is actually, he hits the ball basically as hard as Christian Jelic does in terms of exit velocity. I think there's room for him to grow, um, and he's basically free. He's 302 overall.
2: Daniel Palk of the White Sox, Framel Reyes of the Padres, Kepler on the Twins, probably know the rest. The, the Shields with the Rangers. Greg Allen sh- looks like he's going to be a starting outfielder for the Indians. All right, Scott, who are some late-round outfielders you like to target?
4: There are two in particular that I am in love with. <laughs> they could have been the players I loved on Valentine's Day if you hadn't denied us that. Yeah, we got to
2: do that, right? <laughs> we got to make
4: up for that. <laughs> That tradition. So one of them is Framil Reyes, as Chris said. Uh, he's going 266 overall. It, entirely because of playing time concerns, I assume. The Padres have too many players for those spots, but Framil Reyes deserves to be one of the three. I think he's the best of them. I think he's even better than Will Myers in terms of how good he could be. Um, just the numbers at his face, on their face a, a, as a rookie last year. Uh, are, are pretty impressive. But when you consider how bad he was before return trip to the minors, I mean he was a completely different player when he came back. His strikeout rate was way down, more in line with where it was in the minor leagues, where for a big guy with a lot of power, really didn't strike out all that much. And he his his uh exit velocity is almost on the level of Giancarlo Stan. He hits the ball really hard. He had an elite line drive rate. He hits the ball to all fields almost evenly. So he's going to be a high BABIP guy with a ton of power to to clear the fences. I, I think it's only a matter of time. If, if he doesn't win the job outright this spring, I think it's only a matter of time. Certainly in five outfielder leagues, I have to have Bramil Reyes. The other is going a little earlier. Jesse Winker, 236th overall. I have a feeling he might move out of this range as spring goes on because playing time concern was a big question for him too and um, I feel like David Bell has kind of already put that to rest there there are no restrictions on winker coming off shoulder surgery and, yeah, he's, and he's playing in games soon if not already right uh, I don't think he has yet but soon yeah. uh, Bell has said he sees him as an everyday player he's in the discussion to bat leadoff and he's a mini Joey Votto. He really is. If you look at his batted ball profile from last year, it's, it's you know, J- Joey Votto's was kind of wacky last year, but compared to the typical Joey Votto season, it's right there. He walked more than he struck out in his first look in the majors, and he really started to show some power as the season went on. If he's just a 20-homer guy with everything else he does with the bat, I think he's must start.
2: Okay, yeah, so Winker... <laughs> Look, home runs, he might, I know Scott just said he started to show some power. Last 26 games before his shoulder injury, he had an 1148 OPS. He batted 413 with a 453 Babbitt, four home runs and six doubles. So if you're, if you're weak at home runs, I don't think he's going to help you, but he has a great eye about as many walks as strikeouts. Well, I, I, I just don't I think, think he he's going to be a 25 homer guy. Okay. But that seems like a pretty rosy scenario, especially since he can't hit lefties. So again, I mean,
3: well, he's, Played like 120 games. We don't know what he
4: can't do against lefties.
2: I know Honestly, that he hasn't hit lefties. I, I
4: feel like I have to make the yeah he doesn't hit for power. He he doesn't. There there are questions about his power. I feel like I have to make that acknowledgement because if not, somebody else is going to bring it up. But if if you're just asking me what I think is going to happen with Joey uh Jesse Winker, yeah. I think he's going to be consistently. Above twenty homers, around twenty five.
0: How have we had like four references in the last two days of Jesse Winker and Joey Votto and Chris has not stood up on the desk and started screaming yet?
2: (laughs) Why? Because like it's not, it's doing a disservice to Joey Votto. I mean, he's it's a little early for that. (laughs) Uh, Well, even if he doesn't, looks pretty similar. Here is the point though that I was trying to make. Even if Jesse Winker doesn't hit for a, a lot of home runs. He's still going to be a good value unless he keeps moving up. But if you're drafting right now, he doesn't. Ha- he'll he'll score runs, get on base, um, be really probably very effective in points leagues. And he's 240th off the board, 59th outfielder. Uh, all right, so there you go. There are some names for you: Framo Reyes, Jesse Winker, Jake Bowers, Domingo Santana, Steven Souza really late, Greg Allen, Delano DeShields Shields really late, Gregory Polanco, Jackie Bradley, Max Kepler, Ian Happ. Some guys to keep an eye on as late round outfielders. Let's do news and notes. Bryce Harper could be down to the Phillies, Dodgers, and Giants, and it's looking worse for the Phillies. Um, which, you know, isn't good for Harper necessarily, especially if he ends up in San Francisco, but it's also, I, I think in my opinion, not good for someone like Gene Segura, uh, Cesar Hernandez, guys who would benefit. Now, we, of course, we just talked about. Yesterday, the lineup's good enough. Chris is st- is it though?
3: I mean, that I mean that might be like a difference of five runs or something.
2: All right, fine. All right, fine. Uh, Clayton Kershaw did not feel great throwing the other day, and Julio Arias apparently could begin the season in the rotation. He barely pitched in 2017. He did not pitch in 2018, but as a rookie, he was 20, I think, in 2016. Julio Arias had a 3.39 ERA. More than a strikeout per inning. But he did have a 1-4-6 whip. He has control issues. Uh, Scott, what do you think happens in the Dodgers rotation? What's your read on this right now? My guess uh,
4: is that Clayton Kershaw begins the year on the DL and Arias is in the
2: rotation. But not for long?
4: Right. Right. Um, but, you know, there's, there's no telling. The way the Dodgers handle their rotation constantly shuffling guys on and off the DL, seemingly as a way of preserving their innings, though. Obviously, that's not something they can admit to. Um, you know, it, it, it could be that Aria sticks in the role for a, a couple months. Uh, but this just based makes- on the way Dave Roberts is talking, I think he's overtaken Ru- uh, 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 Ross Stripling as yeah. the next in line.
0: That was the name I was going to say. This makes me feel really bad about Ross Stripling because I kind of thought he was that guy as soon as someone got hurt. And he could still be a guy who ends up making 20 starts this year because they have lots of pitchers on that team that could have <laughs> concerns about their innings. Um, But this this makes me feel worse about Stripling as a late-round sleeper.
3: Well, here's, here's what I would say. Ken DeMade is not going to throw more than 135. I think it's 135 innings where he gets like a $3 million bonus. So... They've pretty much made it clear he's not going to get there. Um, him, Hyunjin Ryu's probably not going to make more than 20 to 25 starts. Clayton Kershaw's probably not going to make more than 20 to 25 starts. Walker Buehler might get to 30. Yeah, he's the Rich, safest. And even that, I think that he's going to have some, some times where they pull him back. Rich no Hill's not going to make 30 starts. There, there's going to be... A lot of starts available. I still think drafting Ross Stripling late, given the gains that he made last year, makes a lot of sense.
2: Is anyone drafting Julio Arias? We need to start. We need to start?
4: Yeah, I mean, sure. it would depend on the depth of the league. I, I don't know. I, I need to move him up by rankings and see exactly where he lands, but I don't know if he's going to quite make the cut in a 12-team league for me.
0: Well, but you, my, certainly you could talk about it. Yeah, my... My thing is if like if we find out he's starting on opening day, you're dropping someone you drafted to pick him up and you're probably starting him. Right. Right. Okay, that's, that's the Oh, I'd rather no, have just... Mo- I'd rather have my team. Right. I would, yeah.
4: you know, I, I would say it's a 55% chance right now he begins in the starting rotation.
2: All right, uh, Carlos Martinez had a platelet rich plasma injection, PRP, a is unlikely to begin the season in the rotation. When are we taking, well, I can tell you in our points league draft that we did two days ago, uh, which he's actually RP eligible. Carlos Martinez went, oh wait, no, I don't know. Oh yeah, 119th overall. There we go. Uh, so that is like round 10, the end of round 10 in a 12 team league. And that was with RP eligibility. So where do you guys, Heath, where would you draft Carlos Martinez right now?
0: Uh, he just continues to fall and fall. And I, and I've, I was high on him two weeks ago. I think I'm still probably one of the high guys in the industry on him, but it's much, much lower. I took him in the TGFBI draft two days ago at pick 180. I know Chris got him, I think, last night at pick 217. 217. Um, He's He's falling down to the point to where he's basically free, and maybe he's worth nothing, but he's certainly worth speculation at that stage of the draft.
2: Okay, does this... Open up a spot for uh, for anyone interesting. Uh, Probably Alex Reyes. Yeah, for Alex. God, couldn't think of his. Name. For Alex, Reyes, he's interesting. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, he's very interesting. <laughs> I mean, he's um, he could be amazing. Is he going to be, be in the rotation now?
4: I I don't think it's as clear for him as it is for Reyes right now that he's next in line. I would I would guess so, but they have they have a few other options they like and and they might want to be. Uh, really cautious with Reyes' injury based on what's happened the last two years. So I, I think we need to wait and see how that plays out. But, I mean, he, he's still—I think the upside's higher than Arias, so he's still definitely somebody that needs to be drafted in all leagues, Reyes'. Is.
2: The Iraqis gave Nolan Arenado an eight-year, $260 million deal with a no-trade clause. I, I know I, I think I brought that up a couple shows ago, but that's— And an opt-out. Obviously good news for uh, for Dynasty League owners. And you say Kikuchi for the for the uh Mariners. See check his ADP. He's got uh two hundred and seventh overall, not as high as I thought. Um they are going to use him every fifth or sixth start, throw like an inning for Kikuchi to limit his innings. Um so he will use he'll be useless in those starts. Uh that's kind of an interesting way to do it.
0: But I, yeah, I actually weird. like this. And I drafted him at two ten. Uh, this morning in the TGFBI. I I think of all the ways that you can limit his innings, I would assume with the beat writers they have in Seattle, we're going to have a pretty good idea what the schedule is looking like on a week-to-week basis. And so I, I would much rather them do this than say we don't want him going more than five innings in a start or we don't want him going past the sixth because he is a guy who pretty much averaged seven-plus innings a start in Japan. If they're going to let him just go yeah, four or five starts, and then once sit him down.
3: Yeah, but you can't. I, I don't think you can make that the comp of how often, how how much he threw in Japan per start because he's pitching once every seven days there. Um, but basically, if you give him six innings per start for four starts, and then two innings for the fifth, and you give him thirty starts, that gets him to one hundred and fifty-six innings. Maybe the upside is like 165.
2: Yeah. But. But we have to be more open minded to players like that nowadays. So. Sure. So he's 40th for Scott and 45th for Heath. You say Kikuchi. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about him. We got starting pitcher preview coming up. So we'll get to that. Uh, Houston pitcher Josh James has a strained quad and Colin McHugh has lower back soreness. And Scott, what's going on in the Astros rotation?
4: Um,. Well, I I don't think either of these are of a great concern right now. I mean, Josh oh. James, you don't want to see a player who's competing for a spot injured. He's not
2: going go to be in the longer o- competing. Yeah, he's not yeah, going to be that- in the opening day rotation. Yeah.
4: So,
0: I'm
2: sorry? he's not Josh James is out of contention for a, a for the rotation. Not not that he's going to pitch opening day, but the opening day rotation, he will not be one oh. of the first 5. Oh, Okay, I didn't yeah, okay, but that doesn't I mean... That. I mean, I don't know what happens two weeks after that, but he, sure, he's not going to start uh, well, the that, season. That the probably rotation. means
4: Frember Valdez has a spot. Or Brad yeah. Peacock. Yeah, I, I guess Brad Peacock technically is in the mix, but he's already... They're already losing one reliever in McHugh, uh, assuming he's healthy. <laughs> right. Uh, so I, 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 I think the odds are against Peacock. Frember Valdez is interesting, though, because he was a good bat in the minors... And both in the majors and the minors, elite ground ball, like Keiko-level ground ball rate. So I think he might be a little overlooked in fantasy.
2: All right, would you guys rather draft Julio Arias or Josh James? I know we've been excited about James. Uh, He's got a little bit of a setback here, but who's a better draft pick right now, Arias or James? Let's go Heath, Chris, Scott. Go.
0: I'm still going to say James because there is a potential for Josh James to throw 150 innings as a starter in the major leagues, even if he misses the first two weeks of the season or the first month of the season. I don't think there's much of a potential for Julio Urias to get over 110 this year, maybe 120. So I I would rather have James, but they're right in the same area now.
2: Chris.
3: James easily. I'm really excited to see him.
4: I I also say James.
2: Okay. Okay. Alex Bregman will make his spring training debut on Saturday. Buster Posey will do so on Friday. Didi Gregorius unlikely to return by June, so we're looking more like July or August for Didi Gregorius. St. Louis signed Miles Michaelis to a four-year, $68 million deal. That will begin in 2020. Arizona outfielder Gerard Dyson has an oblique strain. Dyson only played 67 games last year. The six seasons before that, he had 26 to 36 deals every single season despite never making more than 390 plate appearances. But Dyson is a bench
0: player for the Diamondbacks, right? Yes. Okay. He, he's going to be a start. I would I would estimate that he starts 2.5 games per week. <laughs> All right. Uh, Shinsu Chu has shoulder soreness.
2: The Rangers sign infielder Logan Forsythe to a minor league deal. The Nationals sign catcher Matt Weiders to a minor league deal. Uh, the Major League Baseball is proposing to avoid using the pitch clock until 2022 at the earliest, but they could institute that three batter minimum in 2020. They've also proposed uh, shortening the commercial breaks in between innings. Yes, thank you. You better do that. If you're just going to go ahead and change the game, at least take a little responsibility and be less greedy and shorten the commercial breaks, that would be excellent. The three batter rule is ridiculous.
4: Ridiculous. Ridiculous.
2: I hate the idea
3: of the three-batter rule. I hate the idea of the pitch clock.
2: I don't know that I mind the pitch clock, but the three-batter rule— I think it's rule, going to lead to injuries. It seems like a lot of people feel like everyone will just get used to it. Yeah, I, I
4: don't—they've been using it in the minors for a few years now, right? hmm
2: I don't know how long, but they've been using it in the minors.
3: I
4: don't think it's been a 20-second pitch yeah. clock in the minors.
3: Though. It hasn't? Has it? Oh,
2: okay. I think it has. Need...
3: Okay. I yeah, I,
2: up on it, I
3: think I've seen some data that injuries have gone up. Um, either that, or guys won't be able to throw as hard, and we'll see a big
4: decline in pitching quality. I, I don't, I don't mind the three batter minimum. Really, I think it, I think it opens up a lot of um, a, a lot of room for uh, competing strategies in a way having no minimum... Do- like, it, it's it's almost kind of automatic now. Bring the lefty in for one batter. Okay, now bring in the righty. It's predictable and it's boring. I think I think we'll see more interesting bullpen usage with the three batter minimum. But uh,
0: uh, Adam, uh,
2: they shouldn't uh, be facing three batters. What if they're not good enough to face three batters? What if they're getting crushed?
0: Find someone who is. Yes, Heath? Well, Chris said Adam first.
3: Oh No, no, no. If you wanted to add to this conversation, I had something to add about something else prior.
0: Mine is something... Go ahead to, add to the notes. Okay. Uh, this Scott will like this. Uh, Ned Yost said this morning he is debating whether to have Mondesi lead off and have Witt bat second. He likes the idea of the switch hitting Mondesi leading off. I don't know that Mondesi is going to lead off, but that makes it sound very likely that it's going to be Mondesi and Maryfield as the first two hitters in the order, which was very good for Mondesi's value. And he's also... A... Go ahead. No, Sorry. <laughs> that the other news note was Mike Fultonevich has been shut down from his next start because of elbow soreness. Oh, oh wow. uh, Ned Yost has said he's also not going to name a closer.
3: He's oh. he's his eyes have been opened.
2: And okay. he doesn't have
3: any good closers.
2: Yeah, relief relief <laughs> pitcher preview tomorrow. One of the first questions I'll be asking on that is how many set closers do we have when we do that on March first? It's not a leap year, right? No, it's not a leap year. Uh, We have too many segments in today's show, by the way, so we're going to have to start going faster. Um, Next, we're going to talk about early spring standouts. Yeah, Byron Bucks and Louis Brinson, you guys are raking. We'll talk about it right after this.
1: The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the new balance fuel cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. Early spring standouts.
2: Scott's been doing great work writing columns on the website, giving you little updates on what's going on in spring training. If you, just like me, think it's so boring and don't really want to look at all those box scores, but of course I will. Um, Scott, who are some early standouts that, are, you know, are actually making a difference in your mind and not just, you know, fodder for this dead zone right now of stuff to talk about? Um,
4: Actually making a difference. Well, the Jackie Bradley thing that Chris brought up earlier, I I think, you know, I wasn't paying. uh, There was no way I was going to draft him anywhere. And now he's kind of interesting. Edward, Edward, um, sorry, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox. He is apparently working in a slider this year, which I think could be critical to his chances of a breakout. He's always been an interesting pitcher. The fastball changeup combo is so good that the strikeouts are there, but consistently high hit rates have kept the ERA and whip less than palatable. Um, I, I think adding that variety will make it so hitters can't guess as easily and could mean big things, could mean Mike Clevenger type numbers for Eduardo Rodriguez. Obviously, there's a health issue too. But I, I find that interesting. Um, Arias, we mentioned. Uh, Nick Senzel. There was an interesting comment from David Bell yesterday about Nick Senzel. Where, you know, it, it, was, it was actually, he was being asked about Scott Schebler. And Scott Schebler's versatility in the outfield. Scott Schebler, of course, being the one we presume is going to be the opening day center fielder. And he said, we like, we like to see him in center field, but he's going to be playing left and right. That's what he said about Shepard. Well, then who's playing center? I I think that means Nick Senzel's clearly plan A. I don't know if he's going to be opening day or if it's going to be another mid-April situation, but Senzel needs to be, he he needs to be drafted in all leagues, second base eligible.
2: Okay, so let's look at your second base rankings then. If Nick Senzel is going to be a riser, would you rather have Senzel or Rubnet Odor?
4: Ruggie. Ruggie.
2: Okay. Senzel or DJ LeMayhew?
4: Senzel. <sighs> Might be Senzel.
2: Yep. Okay. So that's, that's 14 in the rankings. DJ LeMayhew. So Senzel could be a top 13-ish second baseman. Uh, interesting stuff. So how about Buxton and Lewis Brinson? uh, Lewis Brinson, uh, Chris? What do you think about those two guys?
3: I don't. <laughs> like Lewis Brinson hit he hit two balls extremely far yesterday, um, but I mean I, I I'm working on a piece that will be updated throughout the spring about what matters in spring, and I came up with six categories of things that can happen in spring training that might matter, and performance is not one of them, because I just don't care that much. Dan Vogelbach had a 14.55 OPS if you'll remember last spring um like it's a reminder that they exist i think is the best way to say it with you know like buxton reworked his swing he got rid of the leg kick he said he spent all off season um you know he he said he's gotten too much different coaching and he's trying to get back to the basics um what that means he got rid of his leg kick i don't know if it means he's going to be good but like byron buxton exists it's nice to be reminded He should be drafted because there is 35 steal potential with some pop. Louis Brinson Brinson also exists. Maybe needs to be drafted in the reserve rounds because there's some potential there. But uh, the fact that he's hit three home runs in three games
4: or two games, whatever, it's nice. They were pretty. It it doesn't mean a lot. I, I do differ from Chris in that, you know, obviously two or three games. Pretty close to meaningless. A whole spring, I mean, depending on what the full extent of the numbers look like, depending on if there were changes made that might have inspired the numbers, it, it means something to me. I, I mean, even even he, used, he cited Vogelbach's numbers last year. Well, Vogelbach never got a chance to capitalize on those numbers. I'm not sure Vogelbach wouldn't be a mixed-league caliber hitter. if Right, not but did. not because of spring training. It's because he's uh, produced in the minors. Well, I mean... I trust the numbers you know if he, if he's showing he can hit that well against major league pitching over a month's time um i, I think it I don't think it's meaningless, but I'm it's not, not major saying league it pitching. counts for more than the minor league track record, but it's not meaningless
0: but it's not minor league pitching. production matters just as much as the manager allows it if, and general manager allowed to factor Spring into the training. Spring, spring training, training yes. or minor, yeah. Yes, spring training.
2: Heath is right. off. Like, but,
3: like, it's 63 at-bats. Like, I think that's that was the most at-bats anybody had in spring last year.
2: So, yeah, Heath, that's any, any, two uh, weeks. any standouts for you, Heath? Anyone that's catching your eye?
0: I'm more on the uh, Chris bandwagon here. Um, I care more about things I'm hearing, probably, and sound bites than I do about game production, especially the first week.
2: All right. Well, there's well, not,
4: I, That's how is that that sound like exactly
2: what I said? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody's really disagreeing. I wasn't arguing Scott. with
4: you, Scott. <laughs> okay. Great Scott. Nobody's allowed to argue with me.
2: Yeah, there there is one position <laughs> battle that's getting pretty hot. Both Yankees first basemen are having oh. good starts to their springs. Whoever's starting first baseman for the Yankees is going to be useful at fantasy. Uh, Unless maybe. it's Greg Bird, no. Even if it's Greg Bird, he will <laughs> have it might, even back. even if it's Greg here.
0: Bird. He's been the starting first baseman for like five times now. He's neither back Neither might be good.
2: Back. They will be, be. They will be good for fantasy because they play in a little league ballpark.
4: If if either, well, I mean, it's kind. I guess it's kind of self-explanatory. But if either is good enough to keep the job, they will be good enough in fantasy. Exactly. Sure, exactly. So, like, how
3: excited were we to start Mitch Moreland and Steve Pierce last year? It, or yeah. Neil Walker I, last I, year. was he starting first thing.
4: baseman? No. That's more the point I was oh, making about beginning? Bird than just there's no hope for him. Because uh, yeah, obviously he was injured. But I, I think if Bird wins the starting job, it won't be Greg Bird is playing every day. I think if Voight wins it, it will probably be Voight is playing no, every it, day. It, one of them is of them's going fun. to
2: the minors. So they're going to be an everyday player. Uh, Does Bird they, have, have options left?
4: He's 37 yeah.
3: years
2: old. what <laughs> They pretty much said that one of them is is likely to go to the minors and maybe get traded. Okay. Who knows? Yeah. So, um okay. Uh, I just had to get that in. I hadn't talked about Greg Bird in a really long time, so I'm happy I got that in. I wanted to read a Twitter poll that everybody should think about because Scott's never seen any of the Rocky movies. Uh And I, I totally tried to influence this Twitter poll. I wrote I think I have seen Rocky 1. Okay. I think I have. Yeah, well, clearly
4: it didn't inspire me to watch more.
2: You should watch them. Uh it does bother me a little bit when people say Rocky 4 is their favorite. It's a fun movie, very enjoyable, but not even close to as good of a movie as the first two. With that said, Twitter poll, what is your favorite Rocky movie? A Rocky, B Rocky 2, C Rocky 4, or D other. And it was a it was a close one. 2600 votes Rocky, 36% the original. Rocky IV, thirty-five percent. Rocky II nineteen percent and other ten percent. I got some write ins yeah. for Creed.
3: Yeah, you didn't mention the best movie in the Rocky cinematic yeah, cinema. It's
2: such a lame thing to say. It is not Creed. Like that Creed is a is,
3: terrible thing. Creed take. is the best movie
2: in the in the series, by far. That is such an overrated movie. It's not. Rocky is obviously the answer to this, the first one.
0: I would put Creed third. Um Rocky IV first. And Rocky second. But like Rocky Four first because it's fun. Not because it's that good. It's like a really cheesy movie. There's a robot. There's
2: a robot. Yeah, but like of course Polly's wh- what's in Rocky One. They have no. two they have two huh? montages. Like within ten minutes of each other. Well, yeah, sometimes you need a montage. Uh, twice. <laughs> it's fantastic. Did you are you saying Polly was in Rocky One? Wasn't he? Yeah, he was in Rocky Four too. Yeah, he's not very good. I mean, no. I, I
4: have seen the, Creed, that's the that's speech the at the end of the fight
0: that Rocky gives, <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's pathetic. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> could the is overflowing. So we've all the only important change. clarification is that all of the Rocky movies are better than Moneyball.
3: We've all agreed that Creed five. is the best Rocky
2: movie. Uh, we can move on. That's such a like that's such a young person thing to say. Creed is the best Rocky movie.
3: Well, young people have better opinions. Exactly.
2: Him. Uh young people should play on and old people should play on CBSports.com. Uh, Go to CBSports.com slash FBT and sign up for the commissioner product. It is the best way to play fantasy baseball. I promise you will not regret it. Getting a lot of emails from people now talking about how how much they've enjoyed it. Uh so I thank you all for signing up. CBS slash FBT get started very customizable that's the best part i mean you can customize cuz i play in so many different cps leagues and they're and they're very different you know among the leagues uh the roster sizes the scoring so you can do whatever you want and it's good stuff points roto, categories whatever and sportsline.com use the promo code vegas on sportsline to get your first month for just $1 vegas is the promo code it's a gambling site it's a fantasy site. It's a wonderful site. And on the Fantasy Football Today podcast this afternoon, uh, we're going to talk to a Sportsline contributor, Jacob Gibbs. But, again, use the code Vegas on Sportsline.com. Let's read some emails for about five minutes and then spend uh, the rest of the time on the head-to-head points league mock draft. So uh, I will encourage you guys not to go uh, as deep in these answers as you normally would. Sorry about that. This is from Matt. Michael Conforto. All signs point to him being a guy to have on your team. I have him as a draft priority in my head-to-head category auction draft. But then there is the Chili Davis factor. Uh, is Chili Davis enough to be concerned with drafting Michael Conforto? I want to go to Heath on this one because I feel like you haven't talked as much about Chili Davis as the rest of us.
0: I think the Chili Davis factor is probably a little bit overblown. But I don't think it's entirely overblown. It's every player. It's all about the cost and there are reasons to be concerned with Conforto outside of Chili Davis. Um, it's just kind of, but I guess what I would say is the Chili Davis factor is not enough for me to say stay away from Michael Conforto. Agreed. It might be enough to keep me from reaching a couple rounds above his ADP.
2: Okay. Everybody cool with that? Scott I, yeah. Scott, I feel like Scott. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We're good. Yeah. Uh, fine. Won't for Scott anymore. <laughs> Lou in Connecticut. How many stolen bases do you feel is a good amount to shoot for in a head-to-head categories league? Ballpark it. So, Chris, well, I know in the so past I, I, you, you've written about like what you need at each category.
3: Yeah. I mean, I have the data for um, for Roto leagues, and I would assume it's not that different. So, let me pull that up now. Um. So last place in stolen bases last year on average in 12-team CBS Sports Leagues in Roto had 73 steals. First place had 168. So third place had 145. Sixth place had 119. So 120 should make you competitive. Uh, 140 should get you to a place where you're winning more often than not. And now the, the leagues are going to be different. There will be people who don't prioritize speed. Um, And there will be people who do a lot. And that'll matter more in head to head. But generally speaking, if you can get 135 steals by the end of the season, you should be in pretty good shape.
4: Those numbers are probably too high for head to head standards just because you're starting five more hitters in a standard head to head league.
2: Oh, in a um, roto league, you're starting more hitters, right?
4: Yeah, and more in the roto league.
3: You know, yeah, it de- it also depends. Yeah, on your roster size. I play in a head-to-head league that uses roto rosters. So yeah, in a category. So.
2: So to be clear, we're talking 130 steals uh, for a 12-team league, where it's like five outfielders, middle infield, corner infield. Yeah, and you utility? won't. You shouldn't lose
4: every week. Okay. I, I basically try like. Ideally, I try to get two big base dealers, like guys who I think are going to give me, you know, maybe a guy who I think is going to give me forty or more, maybe a guy I think is going to give me thirty or more, and then trust that the little dribs and drabs from around the rest of my lineup will push me to at least around the middle of the steals category.
2: That's All right, yeah. Generally, how I approach it. All right. Next email is from Ken in a town in central New Jersey. Dear Hatcher, Jones, Tillman, Warren, and Young. Sorry, Scott and Heath, there are no unsigned free agents named Scott or Heath. How okay. many
4: Scotts in baseball at all.
2: Those are Adams and, and Chris's. It's good to know. I'm listening to the position previews. You mentioned some players who are expected to gain eligibility quickly at new positions. Uh so Let's talk about that. He wants to know who are some of the guys. You mentioned Hoskins, first base. Muncy, second base. Murphy, first base. Senzel, outfield. Jake Lamb, first base. Machado, third base. Profar, second base. Uh, are any of these guys not going to gain eligibility quickly? There,
4: I'm not sure Muncy will. Right. It it. I mean, like if they bring in Harper, then I think Muncy would have to. And Machado won't, right?
2: Yeah, I looked at that one too. Is he gonna? He's not gonna play third. He's gonna be their shortstop yeah. for now. No, um, he's, he's playing he's third.
3: No, he's playing third. Yeah, because okay. yeah. Kinsler's gonna play second. Oh, why, well, Kinsler might play third. It, that They've was the plan, about but
4: that. now they have Machado. Uh, oh, you know what? They could reshuffle him.
3: Yeah, they could put Kinsler Machado at third, at Machado at short, and Arias at second. But eventually, they're going to have to make...
4: I think Machado's going to play either shortstop or third. I don't think it'll be one the whole season. I, I know for sure they still plan Tatis to be their long-term shortstop, yeah. and Machado at third base. Anyone and else, so,
2: guys? Anyone else that's going to gain eligibility? Oh,
4: yeah. I mean, there's... Uh, coming up with them off the top of my head... <laughs> yeah. Um, that might be a challenge. Wilmer Flores, second base. That's kind of going deeper than he Mike Mustakas,
0: maybe second base.
4: Sure, that's yeah. a good one.
0: Okay. Uh
2: All right, great. How about how about uh, let's go with Adam in Southern India, Heath? I'll give this one to you. Deep roster dynasty league. Would you drop Scott Schebler or Tyler White for any of the following? Ramon Laureano, Fran Reyes, Mark Trumbo, Jorge Soler?
0: Well, I think everybody wants to drop him for Fran Reyes on this podcast, probably.
2: Schebler, Yeah, Milreis. What about Tyler White? Would you drop Tyler White for Laureano, Mark Trumbo, or Jorge Soler?
0: I mean, if it's a deep league, I think Tyler White needs to be owned. I am pretty excited about what Ra- Ramon Laureano could be. It might become down to as much of how is your outfield depth and is this a five outfielder league? Okay. And I, white, White's white been working out in the outfield,
2: right?
4: He's been playing third base most of oh, this time. That's spring. what it was, okay. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously DH is probably what he's looking at. I, I think Reyes, Reyes and White are my favorite two here by a pretty significant margin.
2: Okay. Last question from Carl. Scott, would you add Jesus Lizardo or Josh James? and drop Brandon Woodruff or Joe Musgrove?
4: I would drop Woodruff for Josh James, except for maybe in a SPARP scenario. Well, it sounds like he, he mentioned he has glass now as a SPARP already. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a league where that matters, I still might like to hold on to Woodruff, especially since James' injury situation. But I, I think I'd drop Woodruff for James.
2: Okay, a couple days ago, we did a 12-team head-to-head points league mock draft. And we talked about how we drafted outfield, but let's talk about some more broader takeaways from the draft. And uh, are the results available on the website yet, guys? Yes. Okay, wonderful. So please take a look at the draft on the website on cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. So first things first. What do you do when starting pitchers go off the board earlier than you expect? Because Chris and I had the first and second picks of the draft, and we took Trout and Betts. And then as you may remember from yesterday, we took Judge and Blackman with the second-to-last and last picks of round two. But looking back on it, it's possible that I should have taken two pitchers at the 2-3 turn. I think I took Blake Snell and Blackman. But pitchers went a little earlier than I expected seven starting pitchers in the first two rounds and then by the time I got to my second pick or uh, my fourth pick sorry the end of round four I took Clayton Kershaw and everybody was like because that he and he was the best one left in my opinion um but do you adjust and Chris I'll let you speak to it because you know when, I, when your second pick came – All right, Heath I'll let you jump in there too
0: i'm I'm jumping again
2: okay when, when, <laughs> All right, well, it might have been a little bit different when, when our second pick was up compared to when yours was, uh, but go ahead, Heath.
0: Well, I actually, in the recap for this piece, this is the exact topic that I wrote oh,
2: about. Oh, okay, I'm sorry.
0: Because I was picking two spots behind you guys, and you guys took the third-round pitchers that I wanted, and so I didn't get a pitcher, pitcher until the end of the fourth round, and I agree with you completely that pitchers went off r- relatively quickly. My adjustment in this situation, I don't think it's like a panic move because. If you are going to take hitters with 70 or first nine picks or 80 or first ten picks, you're going to have the best or second best offense in the league. What I want to do though is when I get to that round ten range, is I'm going to start taking pitchers, even if it's a round or two early, that I think have the upside to be number two and number three starters. I did take Strasburg in the fourth round as my ace, and when he's healthy, he'll be my ace. But then I took Robbie Ray in round ten. Shane Bieber in round eleven, Nick Vetta in round twelve, Rich Hill in round thirteen. Um,
2: well, why didn't you take? You know, why didn't you take Zach Wheeler or um, David Price? Like, why didn't you take a picture and picture in rounds like six, seven, eight? Why did you wait so long? Because to I don't guy?
0: think specifically with Bieber and Pavetta, and really even with Robbie Ray, I don't think that there is a difference. Between, in fact, I'd rather have most of those guys than David Price. I don't think there's a significant difference between them. And you can get them three or four rounds later and build an elite offense instead.
2: All right. So just to clarify, I just want to, because people might not get it. So Heath had the fourth pick. He went out Tuve in round one. He took Francisco Lindor in round two. Uh, he fell pretty far. And then he was probably thinking, okay, I'll get my ace in round three, but. Blake Snell, Aaron Nola, Trevor Bauer were the first three picks of round three. So you decided to take Benintendi, Heath, instead of Carrasco, Sindergaard. Um, they were the next two pitchers off the board. Then Corbin and Bueller went. Then Flaherty went and Granke went. And then finally you took Steven Strasburg in round four. Uh, so that's kind of what you were talking about. I, I, I'm supr- I guess I'm also surprised you didn't take a pitcher in round three instead of Andrew Benintendi. Like no Carras- Carrasco or Cindergaard instead of Benintendi.
0: Yeah, I was hoping to take and like one guy that went really early compared to our drafts is Corey Kluber. But generally at the beginning of that third round, you can get Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, Corey Kluber, one of those three guys. And they were just all gone. And I think there's a drop off to the next tier. And I'd rather just have the, the hitting boost. Yeah. So, so I don't two. I don't
4: know that I, I don't know that the way this player pool works that drafting a bunch of hitters early necessarily guarantees you a better offense than anyone else, uh, especially in a league with so few hitter spots to fill where you know there's not going to be great shortages in the middle of the draft. I think there are about two rounds worth of hitters that I think are clearly standouts. But then after that, I, I mean, it's kind of a matter of degrees what I prefer. Like, I I don't have a great deal of confidence Chris Bryant's going to be better than Eugenio Suarez, just to give an example. Bryant has more upside but i in in terms of what my expected outcome is it's it's pretty similar for those two and i think that's true at a, for a lot of hitters in that uh like in that round 3 to 8 range so i i what you're saying makes sense i just don't don't know that it works for me just with the way uh with the way the distribution the particular distribution of talent is this year well but then i look at the round
3: four pitchers in particular, and it's Patrick Corbin who's had one great year, Walker Buehler who's thrown a hundred and who had thrown 105 innings as a professional before last season and could be an injury risk. He's had Tommy John surgery. Jack Flaherty, I think is just being overrated
1: at this point. We're
3: drafting him like he's very early for him, but, but this is not that abnormal relative to where other pitchers get tripped. Uh, Selected, I think
4: we're drafting him. That's the earliest earliest I've seen Flaherty go. Right, Granky went behind him.
2: Strasburg went behind him. Kershaw went behind him. I mean, I I don't think I I don't think I don't
3: think those are that out of the norm.
2: Well, it's not. I mean, Granky is in Fantasy Pros. You know, the rounds are later, but Granky is 18th and Flaherty's 19th. Strasburg 17th. Um, uh, No, I mean, I understand. There's risk there.
3: Zach Greinke is, like, crowing about the fact that he hit an 88 miles an hour in his most recent, in his first spring start. Uh Steven Strasburg, I think he's a good value this year, but he never stays healthy. Mike Clevenger, I think there's room for a lot of regression there. Clayton Kershaw may not pitch this year. Like, there's a chance Clayton Kershaw just never gets right. And so, you know, yes, Chris Bryant may not be better than Eugenio Suarez, but that crew... Crop
4: of pitchers, and then it gets i think even more obvious once you get to that round six range where but i I think there's a difference like you're you're giving the downside of each of those pitchers, but yes, you know there's not really performance concern except for Flaherty there's not really performance concern for any of them, and I'm sure you there look are. at the later group of pitchers like that they, they like you're not going to find as that granky from that group unless you just happen to there's to definitely the
3: there's definitely performance issues with every single one of them. Steven Strasburg had a 3.75 ERA last year or something close to that.
4: But his point, per game, his point per start average was still very high.
3: Right, but he's also a year older.
4: He may be, he may take a step
3: Chris, back. Chris, i got to call court. you out
2: on this, because I, I don't think that you really feel like he is a 3.75 ERA guy. I, nobody does.
3: But he was. like, If we're talking about there's no performance concerns with them, Like Steven Strasburg's about to be 30. He's had... A thousand injuries. But he's never he never performed he's per, poorly. But his peripherals were also
4: in line with a mid to high three Z R A last season. I'm gonna, say, I'm season. gonna so, go ahead and but, say I, but that I'm saying he's still a stud in this format, even with a mid three Z R A in a way maybe. a middle round pitcher wouldn't be. Maybe. Well Scott's saying he okay. was. He might but he might throw
2: Steven Strasberg was? Per game. I mean, I'll I'll look up the point per start average. I, I also think his ERA was skewed by like his 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 terrible start right before going on the DL and then his first start off the DL e, but Pretty okay sure but that is beside
3: the but that is beside the point that they i'm were. responding to which is that there's no performance concerns with this group. There's performance concerns with every single pitcher who was drafted in round There's
2: performance four. concerns with almost every player. I mean, yes, you're comparing him to Chris right? Bryant, Chris Bryant's coming off a that's, terrible year. But that So was I don't, so your argument doesn't point, really work because its hitters and pitchers are the sure same it does in that.
3: because that is the argument that I was specifically responding to. Okay,
2: every single person
3: in this group
2: I agree. Uh, but the hitters, the
3: pitchers. The I hitters Worded
2: a different way then. Alright, 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 alright. So, okay, next topic. <laughs> next topic. Um, Edwin Diaz was the first relief pitcher off the board. Now, usually it would be Carlos Martinez, but obviously in a, in a SPARP role. SPARP being starting pitcher as relief pitcher. Something you really should, if you can, take advantage of in a points league. Uh, those starting pitchers who are RP eligible, if they have good years, you're gonna have a huge advantage at the relief pitcher spot. This is a two-relief pitcher league. Um, so some of the Sparps, Carlos Martinez, Tyler Glassnow, and Colin McHugh actually went ahead of Martinez. They went 104th and 113th overall. Kenta Maeda went 143rd overall. So after pick 100, we had three Sparps off the board in the next 20 picks. Glassnow, McHugh, and Carlos Martinez, and then Maeda later. Am I missing anybody? Any other Sparps?
0: Um, looking to see. Brad Keller went in round 14. Okay. Okay. Woodruff uh, went in
4: round 17.
2: All right. So there, that's, uh, Martinez, Glassnow, McHugh, Woodruff, Keller, Maeda. That's six. And there'll be others that pop up, I guess, throughout the year, but that's, that's a lot. And Glass now, the first one off the board at 104th overall. Uh, I'll just say something, you know, if this is a somewhat shallow league, you're starting One catcher, first, second, third, short, three outfielders, and one utility, five starting pitchers, and two relief pitchers. But this is a standard format for head-to-head points. It's only 21 rounds. It's 12 teams. And you take a a position like shortstop, I was the last person to pick a shortstop. And, you know, take advantage, I guess, of the fact that most people don't want to carry two shortstops. So there is a chance that I could have waited until the 21st round to draft Elvis Andrews, who I personally am okay with as a fallback just to see if the injury is really what made him useless last year. But guy was a, a pretty standard top eight shortstop in points leagues, uh, excluding the year when he was number one. I know he's not going to be number one again. Um, but, you know, I took him at the end of round 16, 192nd overall. I maybe could have waited until round 21, but I didn't want to risk it. But I guess my point is if you are at a position Where you've waited and you've waited and you've waited. And there are, let's say, two or three options that you feel are pretty much the same. Just keep waiting. If you're going to be the last person to draft at a position, like don't do it in round 12. Keep on waiting because nobody's taking a backup shortstop.
3: And the replacement level in this league is really high. Exactly. Uh, The guys on the bench are going to be pretty good. And so I think it also makes it more valuable to take a high-risk guy. In this format, because if he
2: busts, you're gonna find someone competent to replace him. Yep, it's a good point, Heath. What were some of your other takeaways from this mock?
0: Um, that was not what I thought was coming. Uh, Heath, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I was actually getting ready to piggyback on Chris's take of risky players. Okay, because I think that's like that kind of explains that mid-round pitching splurge i went on i don't see a lot of value in taking the four era guy in this format because i think you're going to be able to stream that type of production on a weekly basis with streaming Mm -hmm. pitcher and so that's why i went with pavetta with hill with bieber those guys could all like hill specifically and this is something that kind of applies to julio urias and maybe now josh james and any of these innings concerns guys I think we need to get a little bit more open to the guy that's going to throw 120 innings over a four-month stretch of the season and be a top 20 starting pitcher and just recognize that we're going to have to replace him at some point, but that has significant value. It's just,
3: it's a question of whether it's...
0: Like, if they're on a bad
3: team, I agree. But, like, the Astros would probably like to have Josh James available for the playoffs. The Dodgers would probably like to have Arias and Bueller and Ryu and, and Maeda. So it's not just going to be, you know, if if Hyunjin Ryu only makes 25 starts, it's not going to be he makes 25 starts in a row. If Josh James only makes 25 starts, it's probably not going to be just 25 starts in a row and he's done. It'll probably be 10 starts, two weeks on the DL, maybe a couple of bullpen appearances.
4: Fun. I
2: I still but think the way guys roster.
4: approach pitching is kind of... Yeah, okay. It's kind of Thank outdated. You. Because just...
2: didn't we, didn't you try this, Chris, two years ago? And like, then you completely went away from it. I, cause I, I know what you're saying, Scott. I feel like they are just forsaking pitching in the top first 10 rounds I'm or so. I'm
0: not forsaking pitching. All these, pitching these went bananas. Yeah, nobody... I, I said at the top of the article on the, uh, this draft, I don't want to use this approach. Okay, but good. Pitching went bananas <laughs> well, early in even... this draft. Let Scott get in the point there. Point I man. was
4: going to make, and in, in terms of targeting guys with big strikeout rates and hoping a breakout, sure, I mean that's not that's not wrong. But uh, the most important stat in today's environment in this format is innings, and not just okay, he's going to stay healthy, so he's going to end up with 180 innings. It's how many innings. How consistently are you delivering six and seven inning starts because that's where you're going to rack up points even more so than with strikeouts even more so than with era can i ask a question then innings eaters who aren't bad can
2: i ask a question okay okay, fine i changed my mind go ahead
3: why do you have jack flaherty and david price ranked where you do then? if innings are the most like jack flaherty averaged less than five and a half innings per start David Price was under six, and he's not good. That's not bad in today's Okay, but David Price had a 4 FIP and averaged less than six innings per start last year. What's the point of drafting him?
4: I think. What's the point
3: of ranking Jack? Jack I'm
4: obviously looking at upside for Flaherty, which I think is mostly realized. He just needs to get the walks under control. In the starts where he had the walks under control, he was a guy who the Cardinals went. If you look at the game log, the Cardinals did let Jack Flaherty pitch deep. So I think he's a very clear breakout candidate. Th- That's that, that, why I have him ranked Who high. couldn't you say that about? Who couldn't I say
3: that about? Like, if, if Nick Povetta um, pitches efficiently, he's going to go deep into games. Well, Luke I haven't Snell looked at didn't
4: game logs specifically, but there, there, is, there is kind of a mindset now of just give me five innings from this guy. Go ahead, throw harder, th- throw as hard as you need to, unveil as many pitches as you need to as early as you need to rather than saving them for later in the game. And I, I, you know, it's it's kind of just they're kind of building these long relievers to transition to the bullpen. Now. I, I agree. With I, bullpen. I
3: agree with that. But Jack Flaherty has one good pitch.
4: I like no, Jack doesn't. Flaherty. Yes, but I want to go back. Jack Flaherty has a great two seamer and a great uh, a great slider. I think it is a great breaking ball. He does have a great slider. And uh, he and his fast, his four seamers. You know, he throws hard. Self. But the two, the way the two seamer and the slider, uh, because uh, they break opposite directions, and it, it really, it really helps them pile up strikeouts.
0: But, uh, but back to specific, just yeah. real quick, because that that whole antiquated, um, this this discussion started when I rattled off the names Bieber, Pavetta, Rich Hill. I, I don't know which those guys doesn't fall into the category that, I mean, specifically with Pavetta and Bieber, just better luck means more innings. Hill doesn't have a problem going deep into starts. He has a problem making a lot of starts, but you're going to know when he's starting most of the time. That's, so yeah. What, yeah, that's I good. don't know what part of that was. Uh,
3: yeah, I just kind of think that logic can apply to a lot of guys. Like if they pitch better, they will go deeper into games.
0: Blink's that's not, not always
4: true, though. I think that's the biggest distinction between the way we used to operate with pitching in fantasy baseball and the way we need to now.
2: Right, but... All right, I'm just going to end it with this, guys. This, this this clip is called Great Scott,
0: so I'm just waiting for it. Here we go. <laughs> well, why was that a Great Scott segment, not a the Heat Great is on segment?
1: Scott, Great Scott!
2: Great Scott! Great I got a lot to work with here, Scott. I got a lot of great Scots to work with. (laughs) All right, thanks for listening. Uh, Relief Pitcher Preview tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today. We're out.